This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. I've my signal. Unleash hell. Welcome. Happy Thursday. You are listening to News Talk Saga 960. Mark Petroni with you for the next two solid gold hours of freedom-loving news talk. Awesomeness. So very glad that you could join us on this Thursday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to give us a call, we're always glad to hear from listeners just like you. 416-640-0200. Well, Rudy Giuliani, of course, Trump's uh, one of Trump's lawyers, says now that 650,000 votes were counted unlawfully. And that's just in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. That's right. The state of uh, Pennsylvania targeted with massive levels of voter fraud. At least it certainly appears that way as the uh, recounting and examination into what happened last week continues. Giuliani, of course, is one of uh, Trump's personal lawyers. And he is saying that on November 11th, uh, that roughly 650,000 unlawful ballots were cast in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. That doesn't make any sense because November 11th, of course, was what, like yesterday? We're well past uh, the election. So I I think that date must be wrong. But, you know, one thing I did want to mention is that, uh, you know, the United States isn't the only country in which this type of chicanery takes place. Not... Uh, that's far from true. And by the way, uh, we're not immune to that sort of thing on this side of the border. Uh, this story in Blacklock's reporter, more than a third of election officers in the last federal campaign encountered voters whose names were missing from the National Registrar of Electors. That's more than a third, 35 percent. Data follow disclosures. Uh, the voters list, okay, contained at least 312,000 names of ineligible electors. Over 300,000 names of people who were not ineligible, who were ineligible, not legally able to vote in this country, including, guess what, our old friend, dead people and foreigners. That's right. Yeah, 35% of uh, poll staff, the people managing the elections, said they sometimes or often encountered individuals asking to vote who were not on the list of electors. I wonder how many of those people actually got to vote, because these are the people we caught. (laughs) You know, I I don't mean to make light of this. This is a serious thing. What about the people who managed to vote and were never discovered? How many of those people? Exist. I suspect that there are many. Elections Canada wrote all that in a survey of election officers. The number of mystery voters 
was not disclosed. All right, so issues around here. 27%, continuing on with this Blacklock story, 27% of poll officers said they found prospective voters who had difficulties uh, proving their address. Well, this is the kind of thing that the left seizes on and say, well, you're just trying to suppress votes. You're just trying to prevent people from voting because you're a racist, whatever. I mean, it could even be... (laughs) You know, somebody who's not uh, white, for instance. I mean, you know, the point being, it's not about what color you are or what race you are. I mean, if you're ineligible to vote in Canada, then you shouldn't be voting. But it's just an argument that we hear time and time again. And as I believe that it's just a way for the left to push more fraud because it's the best way that they have found to skew elections that uh, shouldn't be skewed at all and that... uh, you know, have elections go their way when, in fact, uh, the vast majority or even the majority of voters don't want it to. So kind of a a story uh, about our electoral system, lest anybody here start feeling kind of smug and looking south of the border and say, well, that could never happen here. Well, guess what it does? Just continuing on, there's a quote in this story, approximately four in 10, 39 percent noticed electors whose voters uh, whose address did not match the list of electors, while nearly identical proportions noticed electors who had improper ID. That's a lot of people. And, you know, without a reputable, um, you know, electoral system, voting system, you have nothing. And that's really what people target when they're trying to target our democracy. And, and there are targets. I mean, you cannot dismiss the idea that foreign powers have continued to infiltrate and try to erode the system of democracy in this country that we've had for many, many decades. How do you do that? Well, one way you do that is by undermining and corrupting the electoral system. Anyway, ultimately, I believe it'll take people on the street defending freedom. Uh, Yeah, we're talking about peaceful protests. I'm not talking about riots. No, let the other guys do the rioting. But uh, peaceful protesting, I think that's the way to do it. And it's very effective. And we're finding out just how effective it is. Um, Because people are pushing back all around the world, whether it's against uh, lockdowns, against um, uh, fascist dictatorships like the kind that Justin Trudeau seems to have so much admiration for, has expressed so much admiration for. Uh, That's what happened in Hong Kong, of course, people demanding freedom against the Chinese fascist regime, authoritarians. Uh, you know, they hate demonstrations. They really do. And we're seeing evidence about that. I, I, it shocks me in a way. It surprises me that these people would be so antithetical, so hateful when it comes to people gathering on the streets to make their desires known. But uh, that's the case. We've seen it time and time again. We saw what happened in Aylmer when a local government <laughs> declared a state of emergency over a rally. I mean, eventually it ended up happening, but to have a municipal government reach the point where they don't even want peaceful protesters, it's converse because if other people wanted to have violent protests, you know, uh, concerning, say, racial inequity, wanted to scream racism, well, I think a lot of these councillors or, or these municipal officials would take a knee, right? Well, we saw our own prime minister take a knee before BLM. Anyway, uh, it's, it's what the tyrants hate most. It really is. And you know it's effective because, uh, for one thing, the uh, bought-off media consistently lies about the numbers. Have you noticed that? We've seen it time and time again. 
you know, there'll be 5,000 people on the street and they'll say, well, there's 500. Well, no, you're lying. <laughs> and so well, when 2,000 people eventually showed up to protest in Aylmer, the only reason why the number was accurate is because the police counted the number of people and told the media. And that's the number that the media went with, because if the uh, police had not counted for whatever reason, then the media would have come up with their own number. Yeah, 10 people showed up. You know, it was it was a non-issue. Uh, politicians attack these protesters, consistently calling them names, yahoos, whack jobs, you know, wingnuts, whatever, you know, whatever word you want to throw, whatever pejorative term you want to throw at people who are protesting on the street. Well, that's how you dismiss them. That's how you diminish people who often have legitimate concerns about the state of democracy in this country. And then what happens? Well, the cops start to threaten people with $10,000 fines, which is going on with Lamont Diggs group. Uh, we've had Lamont on the show a number of times and have been communicating with him by, via text. And hopefully we're going to get Lamont on the show tomorrow because they are hassling his group. The authorities are threatening them with fines. Well, why do they do that? Why? Well, because it's effective. <laughs> Putting people on the street is way more effective, apparently, than tweets, which, of course, can be censored and are being censored on Twitter or you know, Facebook posts. You know, you've got big tech tyrants. You've got big tech censors with uh, their arm on there, their hand on the trigger finger anytime something comes on there, which they disagree with. And we've seen it time and time again. And um, that's why it's so good to see other sites pop up. Parlor. I mean, look, conservatives are going to have to eventually migrate out of these platforms. They're not even watching Fox anymore. You see that uh, CNN won the battle on, on election night? You rarely see that. Duff just sent me a uh, story. CNN scoring rare ratings win over Fox News uh, presidential election coverage. So that was even before what Fox did, uh, covering this uh, election in a way that aggravated and angered so many people. We're talking about millions of people uh, with their very suspicious election calls, you know, calling Arizona. Well, guess what? You know, Arizona now is within what, 11, 12,000 votes with another 45,000 to count. So that uh, idea that somehow Fox could call Arizona for Biden while at the same time not calling Florida for Trump makes a lot of people upset, angry, and uh, guess what? They're not watching Fox anymore. They're, they're bailing on Fox by the, by the millions, and Fox knows it. I was just I was tuning in yesterday to Martha McAllen's show. A lot of coverage all of a sudden. Yeah, a lot more coverage about that election and possible chicanery in the election. They are desperate to try and get those people back. My understanding is that they've even hired a crisis team to go out and try to figure out what happened. I have told you that I think eventually, in order to Fox for Fox to save itself, they're going to have to fire the guy who made the decision to call Arizona for Biden. I think there is tremendous pressure on that individual right now. It was a terrible call, but it's making a lot of people suspicious about it. So you've got basically Tucker and Hannity, but a good chunk of the rest of the network seems to have thrown up, uh, you know, and, and taken up with a lot of the coverage that you see on MSNBC and CNN. And here's CNN averaging 5.94 million viewers 
while Fox News uh, registered 5.726 million. And so it went to CNN. CNN hasn't won in ages. And so here it is. People are so upset with Fox now that already, even on election night, we see people bailing out of that network. But the important thing to remember is that uh, when tyrants try to stop people from doing stuff, well, do more of it. Don't stop, because if they're trying to prevent you from doing it, it means that it's effective, and so keep doing it. Uh, make the dictators pay for the slavery that they want to dish out, that they want to bring to uh, communities like ours. Anyway. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com i looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Uh, so south of the border, not sure how big this rally is going to be on the weekend. I, I've been talking a little bit about it in Washington, D.C. It, it could be a game changer, though. I know I hate that term, too, but it's being organized by Women for America First. There's a, a lady by the name of Kylie Kramer. She is the executive director of that organization, and she spoke with uh, One America Network. And uh, basically, she, her, her take is that uh, there's a lot of people who are upset, a lot of people who are demanding action, a lot of people who are insisting that the uh, election was not conducted in a way that is fair. Let's hear a little bit of that interview. You know, the grassroots is rising up all across of America, and they're really upset if they feel like the election has been stolen from him. But they're also rising up because they want to protect the integrity of our votes. And every illegal vote that is cast disenfranchises a legal vote that is cast. So we have seen a grassroots movement of people from everywhere in the nation, a lot of people that have never been involved in politics, rising up and saying, we are getting involved and we are not going to allow this to happen. So we've held rallies in various states across the country um, up to this point, and now we will be going to D.C. next Saturday to hold a march for Trump um, to stop this deal and to demand um, transparency and to protect election integrity. So it's November 14th at Freedom Plaza, 12 noon, and we will be starting there and marching to the Supreme Court. And that's pretty much what it's going to take. It's going to take people hitting the streets and making sure that their voice is heard. And I can tell you, the authorities, uh, they don't like it. Anyway, lots coming up on News Talk Saga 960. We're going to take a, a brief commercial break and be back with uh, all sorts of great guests, including Inky Mark, who's going to be joining us a little later as well. So don't go away. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. You 
listening to the Mark Petroni radio program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni radio program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more News Talk. So very glad you can join us on this Thursday edition of the show. Well, he went from being an eco-warrior to having a carbon footprint the size of the Grand Canyon. Yes, from being an environmental radical, demanding, insisting that we all give up our cars in favor of sustainable forms of uh, travel. And now, of course, he's, uh, he's an important guy, Stephen Gibault, uh, Trudeau cabinet minister, environmental warrior extraordinaire, except, uh, well, maybe not so much. It turns out that Stephen really loves driving now. And um, some information that Brian Lilly of the Toronto Sun was able to glean through Freedom of Information request shows that this guy is driving way more than the average Canadian. He sure changed his tune in a hurry. Dan McTague joins us. He's a former member of parliament, former liberal member of parliament. And always great having Dan on the show. Welcome, Dan. (laughs) Good to be here, Mark. (laughs) Stephen Gibault, what a phony. I mean, <laughs> honestly, this guy, okay, is according to vehicle logs obtained through an access of, to information request, Jibo is driving more than 3,000 kilometers per month for a bunch of the year and put more than 21,000 kilometers on the government vehicle between January and August. I mean, for a, a guy who was willing to go to jail to save the planet from fossil fuels, Dan, now he sure likes to rack up the mileage. <laughs> What does it say about these guys? Maybe you can take a jump off the CN Tower again. I don't know. <laughs> um, fellow is uh, is really uh, illustrative uh, illustrative of the kind of people out there uh, who take the position um, that all of us should suffer, all of us should restrain ourselves, uh, except when it comes to ourselves themselves. And so, you know, where I come from, that's called a hypocrite. Uh, worse, it's a hypocrite that's given the power by a prime minister who is an even greater hypocrite, because we know he talks a lot about his targets on emissions, none of which he will ever plan to meet, but has no trouble uh, with lecturing and then, of course, making us pay for carbon taxes and is planning yet another one, a clean fuel standard, uh, which will effectively uh, raise the price and the cost of living dramatically. By the way, uh, Mark, I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, cost of food uh, in this country went up 3% in just one month from September to October. And uh, there are many, many reasons for it, but the one that is inescapable is the cost of farming, and the cost, of course, has risen dramatically because the propane used to dry grain, the cost of diesel and all these other things have uh, have risen far more you know, radically uh, than what would otherwise be seen in other countries that don't. Uh, foolishly impose those kind of taxes. So, look, uh, you know, if if Canadians are okay with the pain, that's fine. Uh, by all means, carry on. And, uh, and uh, you know, nothing to see here from a government that uh, obviously uh, has uh, a number of very significant ethical problems. But in here, in this case, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Minister Guibault uh, is uh, a hypocrite. Um, he's also not very experienced in politics, but he was, uh, of course, brought into his position because of his radical green, uh, you know, his green credentials. And uh, that's good for the Liberals. They need radical people to run the country because uh, a radical outcome is about to befall most people, especially given that uh, the economic situation in this country is, uh, is, uh, is frankly speaking, pathetic. 
Yeah, I mean, we're getting poorer. I mean, you make an excellent point about uh, the, the fact that food is getting more expensive. And when that starts to happen, then people who are marginal and just kind of getting by, they're the ones who suffer. They have to, you know, give up other things in order to be able to, to feed themselves and their families, all under the pretext of saving the world from climate change. Right. And now he has a friend, you know, Joe Biden, I guess. President-elect, we are told by the media, and the media knows everything, so they say he's president-elect. He, they say he's going to be the next president, despite the fact votes are still uh, being uh, contested as well as counted. But he's got a friend there now. He's got a soulmate who's apparently looking at very radical measures uh, aimed at uh, pushing ra- pushing through a Green New Deal. So that's good news for Justin, of course, who's a radical himself, surrounds himself with, with environmental radicals. So to have a you know, somebody who, a kindred spirit, if you will, south of the border, that's a huge uh, win for him, isn't it? Huge win. And of course, it gives him some shade. Um, but of course, much of what Mr. Biden is going to be doing is an attack on his own energy sector, an attack, of course, on anything to do with uh, uh, countries like Canada, which can provide alternatives. By the way, I uh, don't know if you noticed this, Mark, but uh, the previous months, uh, our uh, Canadian deficit, our trade deficit, again, widened, although not by as much as we've seen in the past, led by Canada's desire to import more oil. Don't you love it? Don't you just love it? A country that's blessed with an abundance of energy, uh, has an agricultural and energy sector that uh, provides us not only support for our social programs and uh, affordable uh, outcomes and jobs for everybody, we now see a circumstance where this federal government, this liberal government, is in fact moving policies that encourage the import of oil from other countries, notably, of course, the United States, but it isn't limited to them as well. Uh, and a nation is blessed with abundance of resources. We have, uh, you know, we have really uh, individuals who have convinced and bamboozled people into believing that you should accept a lower standard of living, that we should accept energy and uh, agricultural poverty in exchange for what pie in the sky ideas that somehow uh, you know uh, climate uh, uh, carbon tax is some kind of a climate knob <laughs> I don't know if this country is broken uh, so much by its policies as it is by its complete lack of understanding and its uh, apparent ignorance by a good number of people who are listening to your station and I don't mean to take away from them but many people here in this community here in Oakville or in Peel region or in Halton um, all of whom really take the position that uh, there's nothing to see. We have to do our own part. We have to do what's right. Look, I think people are well-intentioned, but they're awfully stupid. Yeah, they sure are. I mean, these policies that you spoke about, of course, they're, they are to the detriment of our own people, our own country. We are getting poor. We're getting hurt as a direct result of these policies. But my thinking is, Dan, if he wants to import oil from foreign countries, uh, you know, even states like uh, like Saudi Arabia. So on one hand, he says that we're the problems as far as systemic racism is concerned. We're such a terrible country. And he imports from from these regimes like the Saudi or Saudi Arabians and, and Venezuelans. You know, maybe that's more incentive for Alberta and the West in general to go its own way because they can throw up their hands and say, look, you want to import from foreign countries? Well, what about if we were a foreign country rather than a province? Maybe you'd be more likely to import our oil if uh, if we weren't the, in the same country. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bad deal for, for Alberta, and there's no doubt it's a raw deal for, uh, for, uh, for Albertans, but also 
considering uh, the report that came out last week that uh, since 2000, from 20, um, from 2000 to 2018, Alberta's oil and gas sector provided a half a trillion dollars in revenues for the federal, provincial, and oh, maybe uh, uh, Mayor Bonnie Brown and Patrick Brown, uh, Bonnie Crombie and Patrick Brown would like to remind themselves municipalities to uh, gain several billion dollars in direct uh, economic boost as a result of the health and strength of Canada's uh, energy sector, particularly its oil and gas sector. That's a half a trillion dollars that has gone to governments to the tune of what, 30, 35 billion dollars a year. And that doesn't include the indirect benefits of jobs, uh, the uh, financial sector here in Toronto, uh, here uh, in, in our region, here in Peel, uh, the insurance sector, the manufacturing sector, all of whom have profited and done very well by a strong, robust uh, oil and gas sector out west. Uh, that number is probably a little closer to about $30 billion a year to the Canadian government uh, since 2016. Uh, about 161 billion bucks. So all this stuff is really important, I think, for people to understand that if you want to navel gaze and second guess and you know hum and haw over, uh, you know, the need to uh, achieve these uh, arbitrary, ridiculous, magic and make believe benchmarks of climate and net zero, by all means, go ahead. But you know, look, when the value of your home or the value of your assets or the potential for your children to pay down debt in the future is all compromised, you will have no one to blame but yourselves. So I'm asking people who are really stupid right now to wake the hell up, including our, our minister. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leaders who seem to take, do not take into account the significance of so much money coming to them directly as a result of a strong and healthy, robust oil and gas sector, much of it out of Alberta. Dan McTeague joining us on Saga 960. And in the all talk, no action department, I see the government starting to talk tough a little bit as far as China is concerned. But on the other hand, they seem to be doing very little concrete action when it comes to, say, making it easier for asylum seekers in Hong Kong, of course, under the thumb, under the boot of the Chinese government to come here because China has voiced concern, let's just say. They've wrapped Canada over the knuckles, saying, no, you stay out of it. You know, these people in Hong Kong protesting for freedom, they're just uh, nothing but bandits and criminals. We'll take care of them. And so the idea that they would want to come here, seek political asylum, you would think we'd be completely open to that. And yet uh, it hasn't happened. How do you account for that? 
Well, same uh, criminals and thugs that uh, appointed by Beijing to run casinos in Markham, Ontario, that the Prime Minister uh, had several meetings with. Look, uh, you know, Richard Fadden, the former CSIS director, put it very well. There's a lot of politicians in this country have been compromised by the People's Republic Communist Party, uh, China's uh, foreign attempts at infiltration and influence. And it's not just a question of intimidating their own people here. We're now seeing, of course, uh, a public policy uh, on Hong Kong, I think, that demonstrates the, w- the length and willingness for us to uh, you know, cast aside our traditional role as uh, as providing uh, you know opportunities for people who are in these kind of desperate situations. We know China's a bad actor, and by the way, it doesn't just stop with you know China doing bad things to Hong Kong. We of course know Tibet, the Uyghurs. It's uh, uh, it's muscle flexing in the South China Sea. It's building islands. Uh, you know, this is a, a really bad acting country. And I hope today when people are out there shopping or doing whatever they have to do, they actually turn over the product that they buy. If they're going to uh, things like China Tire, uh, sorry, I meant Canadian Tire, uh, or, or uh, Wall China or uh, Walmart. And actually, if they do have an opportunity, don't buy that product from China. Send them a message. I mean, it may be seen as small, but if Canadians are being told that they have to do something for the climate, even though they have so, so little to do with it, uh, and climate change in terms of our emissions, maybe they should do the same thing and offer the same kind of, uh, if a government with spine had any kind of uh, sense, they would be offering the same argument and saying, no matter how small it can be, every small gesture that we make to turn our, our backs on uh, the, uh, the communist government of China, which is offering its products and little trinkets to, uh, to buy our democracy one step at a time, maybe it's up to folks here in, in Peel region to think twice about buying anything that's made in China. I realize there are a lot of things that they can't do without, but uh, become a little bit more, uh, you know, how would I say, circumspect in how you uh, you buy. I, I know I'm doing it. Uh, I'm avoiding anything that's made in China because I disagree fundamentally. They've tried to sell us, uh, sell away our democracy, and they've sold away their democracy uh, to uh, to appease us with some cheap trinkets that uh, make us feel good in the short term, but in the long term, compromises our integrity as a government to be able to stand up to bullies like China. Yeah, absolutely. Having destroyed a great Canadian company like Huawei, I mean, granted, there were those who allowed it to happen, but that company is toast now, and uh, much of the technology that was used that was stolen from Canada, of course, is going to be sold back to us in the form of this Huawei 5G uh, (laughs) surveillance network uh, that uh, I think Justin Trudeau will green light, sadly. I I hope it doesn't happen, but it just uh, troubles me that it could. Anyway... Well, we'll see. Uh, apparently, uh, Mr. Biden is going to take a much stronger role on China. I don't uh, yeah, see how he can do that uh, with, no. with what Mr. Trump has done to turn around and get industry to pack up and come back to the United States and create jobs, which, of course, Americans seem to have forgotten. That aside, uh, good luck with all this, because it's, uh, it, the, the, the future for this country is extraordinarily bleak, especially if it allows itself to be manipulated. By a uh, by a country that uh, is frankly acting like a a new world um, you know uh, global thug and uh, for which uh, we we need to stand up or lose uh, and compromise on what we value and for those the memory of those who lost their lives in defense of the freedoms of this country yesterday it'd be a crying shame for us to forget. Yes, lest we forget. I just, sometimes you wonder if we have forgotten. Thank you so much, Dan, for coming on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having Dan me. Dan McTagg. Great weekend. Dan McTagg. Canadians for Affordable Energy is the association, the group he's associated with. Check it out online. And Catherine Swift is going to be joining us the back end of this commercial break. 
We're going to go away for a couple of minutes and be right back. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we are back with more on News Talk Saga 960. Mark Petroni with you. So very glad that you could join as well. A couple of things that came out of that interview with, with Dan McTague including the higher price for food. Wow, 3% up? Well, that's going to hurt a lot of people in the pocketbook, and a lot of that is due to higher taxes, carbon taxes, the higher cost of trucking food to grocery stores. And it's just uh, it's bad for our overall standard of living because it just means that people have to spend more for necessities than they do for other stuff that maybe they'd rather do. And on top of that, of course, our trade deficit is also increasing. That came up also during our discussion with Dan. And and Catherine Swift is an economist, a very smart lady. She has a long association with past president, as a matter of fact, with the CFIB, the Canadian Federation for uh, Independent Business. She joins us now. Catherine, welcome. Good morning, Mark. All right. So a couple of... Well, let's just say, you know, bad news, pieces of bad news on the economic front in this country. And people are starting to feel it a little bit. I don't know. Were you surprised by that data that people are paying more for food now? And also that uh, we seem to have a deteriorating trade relationship. In other words, uh, importing more than we're exporting. Well, I'm not at all surprised. (laughs) These trends have been happening for a long time. And you don't have something like a carbon tax. I mean, somebody uh, labeled it correctly the tax on everything way back when. I think it was when Stefan Dion actually proposed proposed his uh, years and years ago. Um, because it is a tax on everything. When you tax energy, especially in a country like Canada, where we have wide expanses, where we have to transport our goods and services over, we import a lot, and that plays into that trade data that you were talking about as well. Um, uh, and how, how can you not have an increase in everything across the board and, and necessities? Um, if it's something you can avoid consuming, that's one thing. But we can't avoid consuming energy. We can't avoid eating food. We can't, you know, these are basics we're talking about. They're not frills. So this is, this is feeding into every single family uh, in Canada's bottom line. Uh, and, and I know when people say, oh, well, government, who bothers paying attention to that? I just say to them, how would you like an extra, let's say, five or ten grand a month in your pocket to spend on your kids, your family, things you want to do instead of having government spend it however they choose, often very wastefully and foolishly. And usually people go, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess I am kind of interested in that after all. Um, the, the whole trade uh, business, of course, 
is um, in part, in a significant part, a result of the fact that the Trudeau government is in the process of killing a sector of our economy, the fossil fuel and slash resource sector, it isn't exclusively fossil fuels, um, that accounts for a massive portion of our exports. And of course, having healthy exports is how we afford the imports that we want to have. A lot of the goods, uh, clothing, electronics, uh, you know, so much that comes from other countries. We effectively pay for that with our exports. And when we're not exporting, other countries are. People say, well, the industry's dead. No, it's not dead. It's just dead in Canada because our liberal government has decided they want to kill it. Um, but the energy sector, I'm, Dan may well have touched on this as well. In, in an average year before everything you know, started to go south, uh, the energy sector in Canada would represent 10 to 15 percent of our gross domestic product, a huge chunk, the single largest sector uh, of uh, contributing to our economy. So you don't kill that and not feel pain. And, of course, they haven't replaced it with anything. Uh, in fact, what they are, I think, trying to replace it with is uh, more government and of course, government never pays for itself. Government always requires a healthy public sector, uh, sorry, private sector, uh, businesses, employing people, all paying taxes to support government. So once you get that government out of whack uh, with the private sector happening, and it's happening big time, um, then you ultimately end up demolishing your economy. It takes time; it doesn't happen overnight. So it's like the the old frog in the pot of boiling water. You know, once the water's so hot, it's going to hurt the frog. You can't jump out anymore. Catherine Swift joining us on Saga 960. I mean, the oil stuff is just so troubling because, of course, we're bashing our energy sector, meaning that we're generating less in the form of tax revenues to the, the, the federal coffers, and we're hurting workers, and those workers are going to need more government help, meaning a bigger drain on the public purse. Meantime, we're taking more oil from the likes of the Saudis and the Venezuelans, and uh, how does that make sense to you when we've got a country that is oil-rich, that is energy-rich, rich, somehow being sold on this phony idea that somehow we're creating climate change? I mean, if we're going to use the gas and oil anyway, why not use our own? Yeah, no, that, that is the ultimate stupidity. And don't, you know, we, we don't, we don't really shouldn't buy into this, this uh, Trudeau government, um, you know, environment stuff. Everybody wants to do something good for the environment, and we should. And there's a lot of things one can do without killing your own standard of living and hurting. And of course, it hurts the lower income people more than it hurts anybody. So to think this is a great sort of social uh, economic strategy, it is not. Um, but what, what uh, I find immensely hypocritical is this is not ex- by any means exclusively an environmental thing, or it, it, environment being used as an excuse, I should say, but it's very political. Alberta and Saskatchewan don't vote liberal. The liberal government, even though they so, you know, supposedly dis- despise fossil fuels and want to get rid of them, they uh, not too long ago gave Newfoundland a whole whack of dough for their offshore oil industry. So they're not even internally consistent with how they're treating the uh, fossil fuel sector. Newfoundland votes liberal, so it's okay for them to uh, boost their fossil fuel sector. So let's not fool ourselves that this is all a green strategy. A lot of it is pure politics, spiteful, low politics, 
punishing uh, parts of the country that have the, you know, have the goal to not vote liberal. How dare they? And since the federal government prefers to import oil from foreign countries, it has dawned on me that if you were a Wexiteer, if you're somebody who believed that Alberta should go its own way, that the best way to ensure that uh, you're going to be selling a royal to Eastern Canada is by becoming your own country. After all, that you would be a foreign country and then uh, presumably the, the government of Canada would say, oh, fine, now it's okay to uh, to buy your oil since you're no longer you know, part of our country. Do you know what I mean? Do you understand the warped logic of, of what I, where I'm going? Well, there with is this? no logic. There is no logic. And I mean, I really feel for Alberta especially, but also Saskatchewan. And, and as you and I have discussed too before, Mark, and I know you've talked about with some of your other guests, if other people in Canada really believe the pain will be isolated to, say, Alberta and, and to a lesser degree Saskatchewan, they're nuts. We know, and I mean, you know our, our work that we do with the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Exporters of Canada, or Businesses of Canada, um, uh, that so many manufacturing jobs, other jobs in Ontario and other provinces too, depend on the health of that uh, oil sector out west. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's so foolish. It's, it's just so foolish. And what is so frustrating to me and, and others is that you can still do sensible things for the environment without killing our economy. Yeah, absolutely. One piece of potentially good news, I saw this story in Bloomberg. Prime Minister Trudeau says he expects Canada can make a new trade deal with the UK before the calendar hits 2021. Wow, we're talking months from now. I, I was surprised by that story, especially given the antithesis that this government has towards Brexit and the idea that uh, the UK voted the way it did. This populist kind of uprising against uh, its ongoing EU membership. I thought that they were, they were so hostile towards the UK that they would want to back off and say, oh no, you know, trying to somehow push, <laughs> push the UK back into this uh, horrible deal with the EU. You. I don't know. Did, did that raise an eyebrow at all? Well, I, I, I tend to think it was just another one of uh, Trudeau's throwaway lines. He he isn't a thoughtful person, as we know. He also isn't anybody that has any business or economic or trade, you know, trade policy or whatever experience. So when he talks about an issue like that, I, I just <laughs> figure it's like a you know a five year old talking about monetary policy or something like that. Uh, in this instance, uh, I think it was, you know, it must have come up in discussion, so he felt he had to make some grand pronouncement. Uh, it, there's no way it'll happen before the end of the year. That's insanity. Um, and But it's important for Canada. I mean, the, the, these kinds of trading around, and, you know, historical importance as well as economic importance, of course, given our history with the U.K. Um, but I, it, it's just another one of those, you know, this is the last election with the first-past-the-post system. Yes, we're going to balance the budget in 2019. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, this is just another one of those empty pronouncements that uh, will not come to pass. What about uh, a Biden administration, assuming it comes to pass um, with the minute we have left? They're pushing a Green No Deal as well, which on one hand, and maybe conducive ideologically with our own prime minister, but on the other hand, economically speaking, it could hurt us. Oh, yeah, of course. It'll hurt the U.S. as well. <laughs> uh, we'll see if the pragmatists weigh out uh, in this. 
because Biden, I tend to think the important thing isn't Biden himself. I doubt if he'll serve a four-year term. Uh, the guy's old, he's shaky, and he's, uh, you know, not to, to discriminate against anybody for being old, but uh, he, he doesn't seem to have a terribly good grip on policy or whatever. He's got some very worrisome extreme lefties in his, uh, in his caucus uh, that are pushing foolish, ridiculous things as a Green. Because the Green New Deal is even worse than what we're doing here. The Green, the Green New Deal is very, very scary stuff. Um, and most of the people are hoping the moderate voices will win out. But, of course, it's early days, and we don't know. Yeah, absolutely. We'll just have to wait and see. All right. Thank you so much, Catherine. My pleasure, as always, Mark. Catherine Swift has a long resume, including an association with that great organization, the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. We're going to take a brief commercial break and be right back. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number. 416-640-0200. That's 416 640 O two hundred. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga nine sixty. And we are back with more news talk. So very glad you could join us on this Thursday edition of the show. So, assuming Biden does take over, it appears that he will reverse Trump's Germany troop drawdown. The police. This was one of the things that was a, an ongoing theme. Trump, of course, the first president in decades not to start a new war. And so he was also, not only was he not starting any new wars, but he was trying to end the, well, for lack of a better word, occupation in many countries, uh, whether it was Afghanistan or whether it was Europe. He, he didn't feel the need to have all these troops in so many parts of the world. And so that was one of the plans that he had in store was a drawdown from Germany, which I, I, we've had, the U.S. has had troops there since uh, World War II, the end of the Second World War. Uh, this story, uh, it is expected that U.S. President-elect, I call him that, I uh, use that term loosely because he hasn't been elected yet, Joe, Joe Biden will likely reverse course on the Trump administration's American troop drawdown from Germany, or at least partially, over the summer the Pentagon began initiating a White House plan to move 12,000 soldiers out of Germany. Why are they still there? I mean, the Cold War is over. I, I can sort of understand uh, during the long years in which we were nose to nose with the Soviets that you needed troops over there, but uh, that hasn't been the case. The wall came down in 1989 or thereabouts. And uh, since then, there's been precious little done to remove troops, American troops from there. And Trump finally said, well, you know, it's, it's expensive. There's no point in our being there. And by the way, all these European countries won't pay their fair share in terms of protecting and defending Europe. So screw them. Let's bring our boys home and our, and our girls home, our, our you know, men and women in uniform. And so here it is, Biden already saying, well, you know, not so fast. After all, those Russians, you know, they're mean. Yikes. Anyway, so there's no, absolutely no doubt in my mind that a Biden administration, God help the world, is going to be more belligerent and will definitely start wars. <laughs> definitely start. I guarantee you that these people are war hawks. 
you will see more people dying uh, on the field of battle as a result of a Biden administration than has ever been the case under Trump. So all those people who voted thinking that uh, Trump was mean and, yeah, we're going to get a guy like uh, a peace-loving guy like Biden, uh, dream on. The people who who control uh, Joe are those who want wars in the deep state, people who don't like fighting themselves, certainly don't like getting their own hands dirty. But, boy, there's an awful lot of money in guns, in uh, you know, bombs, in aircraft, bombers of every kind. Uh, you know, ships, warships, uh, you know, aircraft carriers, you know, all that kind of stuff. The war machine, which, by the way, Trump did build up. But even as he was building up the military, he was also pulling troops out of many of these uh, theaters that had been warlike in the past that were no longer the case. And he, even Afghanistan, you know, pulling out of there. But I think that's all going to change, assuming that uh, Sleepy Joe gets his hands on the reins of power, or people, you know, pushing Joe to do what they want him to do. I mean, I, I agree with Catherine Swift on that. He won't be around four years from now. It'll be Kamala or somebody else. Who knows? Anyway, uh, Dow is down today, looking at the markets. Kind of a down day in the markets. The, the NASDAQ is up, so kind of a mixed bag, but uh, NASDAQ certainly is not up that much. That's up about 20 points. So Dow, Dow is down about 189 points. That's about two-thirds of 1%. And the NASDAQ is up about 0.17%. That's 20 points. So not a whole lot happening. Kind of a blah day on the markets. Um, although stocks like uh, Zoom, I guess you talk about, well, you know, with Zoom, I mean, maybe it's up after that guy was fired from, from the New Yorker who was involved in that Zoom meeting and ended up uh, pleasuring himself. I, one of the most bizarre stories you'll ever hear, but he got fired. Uh, after doing some uh, just unbelievable head-shaking things, he didn't know he was on camera. Thought he was talking to people, and I guess uh, was doing this stuff to himself. I mean, come on, man. Anyway, so he's toast. But Zoom itself, the stock is is up, and that stock that stock has been on a seesaw. Uh, for for weeks now, because largely over COVID, uh, either you have stricter measures, so you have stricter COVID measures now taking effect in uh, many jurisdictions, including here right here in Canada, and uh, even the Biden government calling for a four to six. Sorry, the Biden uh, president elect saying that once they take over, they're pushing for a four to six week lockdown. Have you heard about this? It's like is that. What you voted for, and it's interesting to see people like writer, like uh, writers, like feminist uh, Naomi Wolf saying, "Well, if I had known that Joe was going to do that and impose a lockdown of four to six weeks, I would never have voted for him." Give your head a shake. You know, do you have any? Do you have no idea that you're voting for people who are basically more totalitarian than anybody else we've ever known in these in these kind? Whether you talk about United States or or Canada, these are people who are addicted to control. And COVID gives them an opportunity to exercise that control in ways that um, should make every freedom-loving person concerned. Back to the markets. Oil is up a little less than 1%, about $0.37. Cents. So West Texas Intermediate now trading for just under 42 bucks a barrel U.S. And gold having a pretty good day, uh, although still down off well off its highs it's down to about 1875 bucks it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details it's up about twelve dollars, and uh, now up almost fifteen bucks. So it just it just flipped there. Uh, gold fairly strong today, having a strong day, and uh, apparently, I, I think that's partially due to COVID as well. I mean, if you're going to slow down the economy, then oftentimes people will gravitate towards precious metals. Silver also having a pretty good day as well. So it's silver is up about a quarter of one percent. So that's what's going on south of the border. Up here, uh, the TSX is actually up eh, about 10 points. So that's, uh, that's the situation as far as markets go. Uh, Senator Christia Freeland, our finance minister, the one who didn't even know the difference between the debt and the deficit, well, she is uh, going to be testifying soon. Senators are going to be questioning her on a bill for a new rent relief, I guess that's, and, and business aid. A lot of businesses, of course. I mean, the more you impose these lockdowns, the, the harder it gets for these small and medium-sized businesses and the more help they're going to need from uh, the taxpayer. And by the way, we're, we're running a deficit of over $400 billion a year. Absolutely staggering stuff. Okay, my friends, we're going to take a brief commercial break. And guess what? London Calling. At the top of the clock, we'll find out what's going on in the UK as more pushback on, on COVID measures continues there with, with protests and the rest of that. It's all coming your way after this. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Graham, hello. Oh, hello there. Welcome to the show once again. All right, so what's the COVID situation now? I understand that there is a stricter lockdown. Is that correct? Yes, the, the lockdown is continuing until uh, the 2nd of December. Then we'll be free out to go out again. But um, death, death rates are, are fairly high at the moment. There's about 400 a day, I think, at the moment, or four or five between those figures, and uh, yeah, infection rates seem to be dropping a little, but the death rate's still high. So, uh, yeah, we're all uh, waiting for the 2nd of December for the lockdown to be lifted. But, um, yeah, we're all fairly well 
uh, depressed to this in England, <laughs> but uh, it's just be expected, really. And I understand that there's been some people pushing back. Uh, that, that there was, uh, wow, quite a troubling story about a woman who was moving her her very elderly mum by vehicle, and somehow there was an issue in terms of where she was going with her. I, does this ring a bell? Yeah, she was a qualified nurse, and she wanted to go and collect her mother from a, a care home, and uh, she ended up being arrested, I think, if I recall correctly. And, uh, yeah, it's a bit draconian and heavy-handed. Yeah, I'll say. And, um, all she uh, was at the mark for this kind of this kind of um, situation. There should be uh, just show a bit more sensitivity and, and a bit of discretion, you know. And, and this lady was, a, uh, as I say, yeah, the lady the rest was actually a qualified nurse, and she was come to see her mother from, and she hadn't seen her for some time, and uh, she wanted to go and see her and collect her. And she was moving her mother, and somehow she would, she got pulled over, and the police. Uh, <laughs> What did they do? They 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 arrested this woman and then did what to the to the mother? I think the mother went back to the home. But um, yeah, I'm not highly familiar with the story. But uh, yeah, it's a bit over the top and an overreaction really from from the police. And I understand you know, target and uh, you know, it's the thing that police do sometimes. They don't really want to investigate major things and uh, shoplifting and things like that. But they they want to do things that are easy to get another another arrest on their score sheet. You know, that's what drives the police quite often nowadays in England. I understand there was a protest after that in which dozens of people were arrested as a result of what had happened with this woman and her mother. Yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me, but I haven't actually seen that uh, news article. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of resentment now, and and people are beginning to think that, uh, you know, this given the, the amount of deaths, I know they're high, but if you compare them with cancer and pneumonia, they're, they're lower than those. So I think it's the fifth highest death is, is of COVID-related. But uh, so we're wondering whether this, this lockdown is proportionate in England. I don't well, know what, if there's a lockdown in Canada or not. Well, yeah, there are. It's, it's, a, it's a limited lockdown, and it varies. I guess gyms have reopened. I mean, you have to stay on top of it because, I, you know, the gyms, I guess, are back to being open. It just it no, seems to change. My gym's closed. Well, they were for a while, and then they reopened. They opened and, briefly, and now they, they're closed again. I don't know. What, the, what is the deal with gyms? I mean, people love to go, and they get, get some exercise. And, uh, you know, if you, if you socially distance, I mean, if you keep – you know, a certain distance from from some, and you clean the equipment, and then I think the chances of of spreading COVID through having a workout, I think, would be fairly minor. I mean, I'm not a, a medical expert, but what is the big deal, especially if there's not that many people in the gym? I mean, if they limit the numbers of people going in. Well, the gym I go to um, is very large, a very large gym down near me, and uh, everybody cleaned the machines down after they finished with. Uh, uh, anti-bacterial, uh, antiviral uh, um, cloths, and uh, all distance. Every other machine was closed off, so we weren't next to each other on the running machines and the weights. And um, people wore masks as they went in, but obviously they couldn't actually in the gym itself. But uh, yeah, I'm sure there was very little danger. But the gym is a main thing for keeping people fit. You know, when they can't go to work, so they go to the gym, and now that's closed, which is really counterproductive. I would have thought. 
As criminal prosecutions in England and Wales have plunged by almost 60 percent in three months to June due to COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic. Now, I don't know if that's I, I guess that's due to the court proceedings. I mean, I would think I mean, if you if there are restrictions in terms of getting people together and maybe those prosecutions uh, have not been able to move forward. The latest data from the Ministry of Justice has revealed the impact of coronavirus pandemic on the justice system. Convictions and the number of offenders sentenced have also fallen. I guess, does that mean almost, does it almost give you the green light to commit a crime in England these days? I think it's because people aren't, you know, this this backlog, you know, over the lockdown over the few months ago, um, people weren't going out so much. They weren't going to nightclubs and pubs and uh, getting drunk and things. So, you know, there was, on that aspect, the, the crime rate probably reduced a little bit. And then, the Crown Prosecution Service and the uh, the justice system decided, the Department of Justice decided to defer a lot of cases uh, and also restrict the numbers going through the courts because obviously you, you can't have lots of people all getting into small courts. So they're reducing the number of cases being heard, but they've probably been deferred until a later later date. So that's probably what accounts for the, the reduction in uh, those two factors account for the reduction in... Uh, uh, criminal prosecutions at the moment. Hmm. So have, files. Have, you're a business person. You have a, a contracting company. How is that going? I mean, are you able to continue doing the work that you've been commissioned to do, or are there now restrictions in place? Well, no, we're all we're just working uh, as normal. Obviously, the people on working on sites try to keep their uh, two meter distance. We found an increasing cost in uh, lumber, uh, timber and uh, hard wall and a few cement-based products, and things are getting a little bit more difficult to source now, but uh, we're continuing with work, and then the work seems to be, uh, you know, contracts seem to be coming in still, so uh, I've been busy pricing jobs today, so um, yeah, it's all going on more or less as normal, but there is an increasing cost for, for us at the moment. Is there much talk about the Jelaine Maxwell trial and all that and the people that she knows and all her connections and whether or not she's going to start giving people up in order well, to save herself. No, there hasn't been much reported in the in the press recently about her, but um, I've got no doubt that uh, when she does come to trial, that she will not uh, she will not be uh, um, you know hold back on putting other people in, into into the frame or into trouble because uh, you know if it protects her and helps her to reduce her sentence, then I'm sure she'll give up people, you know, when she comes to um, comes to court or even before that in a plea bargain perhaps. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot actually being published about her, but obviously there's people in Britain that are probably quite nervous about the prospect of a up-and-coming trial. Yeah, I would think Notably so. in the royal family. <laughs> yeah, well, well, of course, Andrew, I mean, I would think that if anybody would be nervous, it was him with that trial coming up and whether or not, yeah. uh, whatever degree yeah. he was going to be implicated. Yeah, well, there's a lot of low men in high places feeling probably quite nervous <laughs> about this upcoming trial. Graham Elsa joining us on Saga 960. All right, so what, what's the situation at the pubs? I mean, can you go to a pub now? Can you still go out and get a drink? or, or is no. that You cannot. Lockdown and closed. Restaurants are closed. Pubs are closed. Everything. Wow. That... Even, even um, closed shops. Many. I went down Worcester Park High Street today, and most, most of the shops are closed now, apart from news agents and food shops. Uh, closed shops are closed, restaurants are closed, everything. 
but we're waiting for the 2nd of December when it's all going to open again. Oh, but we had very good news this, this week about uh, uh, vaccine being coming available yeah, right, the Pfizer. before Christmas. Yeah, the Pfizer one, is that the one you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, Pfizer. Yeah, it, yeah. It was a great, uh, that, that encouraged a great surge in the stock market. I don't know if you know. It did. A couple of days ago, the stock market went up about, um, well, quite a few points. Yeah, it went up uh, four, between 4 and 5%. That's the, uh, that's the, um, the vaccine bounce, as they called it in England. But, uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to the, uh, to the, um, to the um, vaccine coming online and being available. People are... Uh, Care workers and vulnerable folks are going to be the first in line for, for the vaccine and uh, work, work down from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, people, anything that gives people hope, I suppose, but uh, it was it was somewhat short-lived because <laughs> the markets have kind of leveled off. People, I mean, who knows the degree to which it's going to be distributed, and now with the political shift in, in the winds in the United States, I mean, there's, I guess there's a bit of uncertainty, too. Uh, before, you had this big champion of Brexit, who was Donald Trump, and now, supposedly, apparently, we're getting Biden in there, and I, I'm not sure that Biden is anywhere near as supportive of the Brexit movement as Trump was. Well, um, he's, uh, I know uh, Donald Trump was far more uh, pro-British or pro-English than uh, Biden is. Uh, Biden always claims to have uh, uh, Irish ancestry and, and um, would probably side with uh, EU and Ireland rather than Britain. So although we had one of the first phone, uh, Boris Johnson had one of the first call, uh, phone calls with um President-elect, so it's um, yeah, we're 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 an unknown quantity as far as Britain goes. At least we knew that Donald Trump, you know, on the face of it, was was an ally of Britain. We don't know how uh, how reliable um, Biden would be. Yeah, well, I, I one of the first things that happened was somebody from the BBC asked for an interview and said, uh, "Mr. Biden, a question from the from the BBC," and he said his response was, "Well, I'm Irish," and he just turned uh, around and walked away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Who cares? First of all, you're not Irish; you're American. I mean, that was that was pretty low. But it, uh, the fact that it came out of his mouth—I mean, you don't know what's coming out of this guy's mouth. It's just yeah, uh, well, he sometimes doesn't when he gets confused about who he's standing against and who's introducing his children. Um, you know, just before the election, there was a, a few gaffes where people got confused about um, various names, and uh, so that was a bit worrying, really. Whether there's any, uh, you know, any any problems there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people are concerned. They don't really know what to expect from him. Although he seems to have surrounded himself with some very radical environmentalists and other people and economic. Um, radicals. And so, you know, I think people are going to miss Trump, frankly. They're certainly going to miss the job creation. They're going to miss the economic uh, rebound that America enjoyed. And so all that, uh, if, if we do, in fact, end up with Biden, all that goes out the window once this guy goes out, basically punishes the people of the United States for daring to have a strong economy. Um, I mean, the, the differences are just night and day. On one hand, you had a guy like Trump who was uh, yeah, he was a nationalist. He was an America firster, but he was also a, a huge champion of the free market. He wanted to get things rolling, and he wanted fair trade deals with the likes of China and other countries. And uh, he was making it all happen. He brought home, you know, many many businesses and created all sorts of jobs, especially amongst 
of black people and Latino people, women, they, they all benefited from the Trump economy. And uh, sadly, now if this guy ends up taking over, I think it's going to be a terrible blow yeah. for anybody who wants uh, an economic renewal of the kind that Trump had created. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of things in the Middle East as well, don't forget. But, um, exactly. Yeah, good Palestine point. And uh, trying to get things working back there with Israel and, and, and trying to bring peace to the region. So obviously Biden is not in here as business friendly and so you know let's hope the economy can survive his uh, presidency but uh, how long he be, be, he's in will be a president we don't know he's, he's quite you know i think it's 77 now so yeah, I see. yeah. Cool. so um how long he'll be president we don't know he's quite frail but you make an excellent point about the the things that trump was able to do in the middle east creating uh, uh deals uh, between peace agreements between uh, Israel and many long-term enemies, Bahrain and Qatar and all these other countries, Arab countries, and he would have continued to build on that, whereas, uh, sadly, the guy coming in is more interested in bombing than he is in, in peace deals. Yes, well, Donald Trump did keep people out of wars and didn't start you know, invading things as readily as his uh, predecessors would have done or did. Anyway, so it he, is what it he, is. He peace to... You know, exactly. You know, America. He'll, he'll go down as a great president, no, no question about somehow that. Somehow got defeated. We don't quite know the ins and outs and, and how it happened, but uh, maybe that will come to light one day. Graham, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Graham Elson, that is your latest edition of London Calling, coming to you from the leafy suburb of Surrey, England, in South London. And we're going to take a brief commercial break. Back with more after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Wow, too little, too late. I see that the latest Rasmussen poll has Trump's approval rating at 53%. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Anyway, I, I guess the science advisor for Biden. I mean, it was interesting hearing from Graham Elson a few minutes ago about the lockdown across the pond in the UK. I mean, this guy, Biden's science advisor is calling for a four to six week nationwide lockdown to avoid what he calls COVID hell. Yeah. The guy's name is Dr. Michael Osterholm. Now, consider all the evidence that has come out has been presented by all sorts of people in the medical community, doctors who have come out and say, look, the price that we are paying from as a result of these lockdowns is horrendous. Whether you're including, and I see that these huge numbers and opiate deaths just uh, you know, boggle the mind. 
extremely tragic, the number of people who have succumbed to drug addiction of one type or another. Of course, the pain associated with uh, the economics of it all, uh, losing jobs. I know many people who have lost positions or have been permanently or temporarily at least laid off. Uh, small business people suffering, and you could see it in their faces. You, you go and uh, you drive by strip, uh, strip malls, for instance, and see many companies now more and more of them boarded up or for lease signs as companies have trouble. I mean, not all of them are doing badly. I went to a place called Keto Girls. That's the name of the company. You go in and you buy um, you know, gluten-free stuff or uh, maybe f- um, low-carb bread. Extortionately priced, but great place. I don't want to want to knock it down, but maybe what I bought was expensive. But they've got lovely pastries, and the point is, I said, "Well, well, how are you guys doing?" And he says, "That business is great." And so it's funny. Some people will gravitate towards some businesses during this period, as long as they feel it's going to be perfectly safe. And uh, well, you know, it just works the, works out the way it does. And yet, you still have. People like this uh, Dr. Osterholm in the United States, this science advisor for uh, for Joe Biden coming out saying, well, need a big lockdown. And it's not just going to be a small lockdown. It'll be four to six weeks. Stay home. You know, you're not going anywhere. I just can't help but think that there's a political angle to this as well. I guess because I just think about this stuff. I mean, what would be the political benefit? Well, for one thing, it would keep people off the street from, you know, uh, complaining about the fact that the election was stolen. That's one effect, wouldn't it uh, be, if... Uh, if people were starting to riot as a result of having their elections basically hijacked through nefarious means, and we're seeing more and more evidence coming out. We had, of course, I mentioned earlier in the show, Rudy Giuliani saying 650 votes now appear to have been uh, ineligible. Uh, in that, That's Pennsylvania alone. Just, uh, just looking at Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, and Giuliani was saying, no, that's what we've found so far is 650,000 votes that should not have passed muster and yet were allowed at the time. One good thing about it is that once people are basically read the riot act in terms of coming up and being honest about what they saw and they are signing these uh, affidavits, of course. So you have sworn affidavits by the hundreds not only in Pennsylvania, but in other states, Michigan as well now, and uh, people coming forward and say, well, okay, the, you know, if you, if you lie in your testimony, in your, uh, you know, in answering questions to the FBI or whoever happens to be investigating this, well, potentially you could end up going to jail for a very long time. So that adds a great deal of incentive to people who are, well, wondering as to whether or not they should be completely honest about what they saw on election day. And then, of course, as more and more of these votes are coming out and saying, well, how is it possible that 400,000 votes had just had the one notch for Joe on there, and yet nobody was voting for any member of the Senate? Or, I mean, if you go to vote for Democrats, you know, fine, you're a big fan of Joe, you know, you go Democrat right down the line, you know, uh, all through the, the, the entire ticket, right? So... House and Congress and presidency. Yeah, I love the Democrat Party, but you know, how do you account for the hundreds of thousands 
that um, seem to have just put uh, a mark there for Joe. It just raises a lot of suspicion around the whole thing. And so I say, well, why not look into these allegations? Why not examine them very, very closely and find out exactly what happened? I mean, if Trump lost and uh, it's deemed to have been uh, the result of whatever, Americans decided what they did, and that's fine, and it's fair, and it's, it's deemed to have been free of, of corruption, or at least uh, too much corruption, because we know that dead people voted maybe by the hundreds and maybe even thousands in some areas. We're already many, many reports. Of course, we had the report on this very show not that long ago of the woman who says her dog managed to vote. I mean, I... <laughs> Anyway, so after absolutely look into these things because if you don't have a fair election that you really don't have you don't have a democracy anymore and people get demoralized. But as I say, I think if people do get demoralized, I don't think that necessarily um, is to the detriment of those who want to destroy the country because I think they want you to get demoralized. People who don't believe in democracy, whether you're an you know a Chinese uh, Chicom, a person trying to undermine the West or whatever. You know, if you don't believe in the democratic system and you want to undermine the efficacy of that system, then the best thing you want is for people to get demoralized because you want people to think, oh, well, it's all rigged anyway. I'm not going to get involved. Well, that's not a good attitude to have either because you want a democratic Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details system you want to empower the people right empower the people to make decisions and it seems to me that that seems to be the battle here between those who want to disempower the people strip away their rights strip away their freedoms whether it's the right to bear you know to, to have a firearm for instance or right to choose who is going to govern your country or your city or your province yeah those types of decisions the freedom to speak freely about issues, whether you're critical of the government or not critical of the government, the the right to get together and protest peacefully on the streets, those types of freedoms, those are the things I am talking about, and those are the things that are under attack by people who want to destroy those freedoms every day. And I know I harp on this a lot. It's an ongoing theme on this show, and yet it's so important that people realize what we face these days. Okay, my friends, we're going to take a brief commercial break. And um, we've got another guest uh, coming up. I'm not going to tell you who it is right now. Let's make it a surprise. (laughs) It's coming your way right after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. 
That's 416-640-0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk, Saga 960. Well, some tough talk out of the government of Canada that sadly is rigging kind of empty. The Canadian government denouncing China for removing four pro-democracy lawmakers from Hong Kong's legislature, but gave no indication, that's our government, gave no indication of whether it would unveil a special plan to grant asylum to those who want to flee the former British colony. And I, I think that's because the, the Trudeau wants to look like his government is getting tough on China, but not actually do anything about it. I'm going to share this tweet for you this morning from Inky Mark, former conservative uh, member of parliament from Manitoba. And Inky said, Trudeau's behavior doesn't follow the law or constitution of Canada. He believes he's above the law. We have a rogue prime minister acting like a dictator. Inky Mark is on the line joining us. Inky, welcome to the show. Good morning, Mark. All right. Glad to be with you. And so very glad that you could join us. You were, of course, born in China in 1947 before you came over. Thankfully, what a smart move that was because so many people in China died uh, after after 1949, which is not to say they weren't being killed before that time, but things really ramped up. The tyranny did certainly uh, ramp up once Mao took over, and so many millions of people died in the push towards collectivizing that country and destroying any opposition to the communists. So um, good for you for coming to the land where you and your family were able to raise a family freely. Sadly, uh, unfortunately, many of the measures that people seem to see as uh, so authoritarian in China are slowly finding their way to this country. Uh, Do you find yourself being alarmed sometimes when you see some of the measures taken by this prime minister? Oh, very much so. And uh, I guess when when Trudeau wants to be like like China, he wants to be a leader like the Chinese president, which is a tyrant, who is a tyrant. Uh, and then uh, take, uh, like I said, a million dollars from the Chinese government. So what do we expect from our prime minister? Really very little. And, and the sad part about it is, you know, the population in this country, the Chinese-Canadian population, is probably almost two million now. Uh, in the States, it's a little over double. Uh, the Chinese government have been playing the game. Uh, they call it soft power, but it's basically propaganda. It's, it's uh, hidden propaganda. And the Canadian governments have been naive. They're so uh, driven to get their votes. And what Canadians understand is really different, uh, totally different generations of Chinese that are in Canada. The first ones that came over in the 50s, 60s, basically, as you said in your remarks, uh, escaping communism uh, with their lives. And that's basically what we did. We came over here. Uh, lucky to be alive and uh, to make a new life for ourselves. Uh, but the, the recent, the recent uh, Chinese that are coming over, too many of them are multimillionaires or crooks that have uh, stolen money from the Chinese government. And, uh, you know, most people would agree with me that the housing uh, prices on the West Coast are, are directly related to the, the Chinese imported wealth. You know, whether that's legal money or illegal money, nobody seems to know. But then, you know, recent stories have also shown that Chinese are laundering money as well in the Western countries. Uh, This this prime minister who takes money from the communist government is basically uh, 
supporting them every possible way. I was just counting all the grants that, that was given out to uh, Ming Pao over the last few years, and I couldn't believe it. I thought, why are they giving them so oft, so many grants so often? And I counted there over two dozen, and that's the reason they make them numerous. But, you know, the total is over $5 million. I thought, what is this crazy, giving $5 million of our money to a paper that's really a propaganda machine for the Chinese government? Yeah, really. And uh, there are people here who say who have warned the government uh, in testimony in Senate uh, hearings and so forth, saying that this is going on. It's a program of intimidation, that the government needs to deal with it. And yet nobody seems to want to do anything about it. I will uh, alert you to this quote by Foreign Affairs Minister uh, Francois-Philippe Champagne, who condemned, this is the story in the Globe and Mail, condemned Beijing's ouster of legislators. These are the people who were pro-democracy in Hong Kong, calling it a further assault on the civil liberties and autonomy that China promised to grant. Well, that's all well and good. Then he goes on to say, well, we are deeply disappointed that China has chosen to break its international obligations, and yet they do so little in the, in the form of actual actions because China doesn't want them, doesn't want Canada to welcome what it considers bandits and criminals when, in fact, they are, they're only people who want freedom in Hong Kong, the type of thing that, that China promised to do. They want China to live up to its commitments. China won't do it. They have pushed back, and now they are being uh, basically oppressed in, in Hong Kong, and these people are saying, well, you know, we want to get out of here, help us out. You would think that our government, based on this quote by Mr. Champagne, would be more than happy to say, yes, come to Canada, we'll take care of you, and yet they won't do it, or not to the degree that uh, they should be. Well, it's just typical liberal rhetoric. It, meaningless, meaningless words. It's just to, uh, it's just a press release, basically. Now, all they had to do was just say, we're going to follow this the suit uh, taken by the British government. The British government is going to welcome all people, uh, uh, all, all the uh, the people that have Hong Kong uh, citizenship, because at one time it was a British colony. Now Canada, all they had to do is we know who is who's a uh, landed immigrant uh, living in in Hong Kong, uh, but in regards to the uh, Democrats, uh, the students that are fighting for democracy. We, we shouldn't hesitate whatsoever to welcome them to Canada. I mean, they are, they are doing due diligence for democracy in Hong Kong, and, and it's sad that we just, we just talk and do nothing. Inky Mark joining us from Manitoba. Dawson, right? You're in Dawson? Dawson, right. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to ask you about the U.S. election, uh, Inky. Some people thinking that it was uh, it was rigged. Uh, we're seeing an investigation um, by the likes of uh, Rudy Giuliani. Trump himself has said uh, that, that there were enormous number of ballots uh, cast that were not legal. But in fact, it's interesting. There was a, an individual who's now been a, appointed to the role of chief of staff for uh, for Joe Biden, 
who actually admitted uh, six years ago, back in 2014, saying that, uh, yeah, um, in fact, elections are rigged, which is a bit surprising. I mean, here's a guy, on one hand, you have the Democrats saying that uh, Trump is just using it as an excuse to dig in his heels. He doesn't want to go. But on the other hand, we have people in the Biden administration now themselves who have admitted in the past that, in fact, these elections are rigged. That doesn't surprise me because I've always believed that uh, nominations can be rigged uh, by the party. Uh, elections, uh, local elections could be rigged, you know, uh, even at municipal level. I think I, I think I have experience with that. I, you know, ran for mayor after I resigned from Ottawa and I, I thought the thing was rigged. I mean, I've been living here. Uh, all my life, and I was the former mayor of the city, and and normally it would take uh, less than an hour to count the votes. Well, the, the election that I ran for mayor the last time, it took four hours to count the votes, <laughs> and the radio, the media was waiting for me and talking to me, calling me from the city, and said, "What's going on?" Well, <laughs> I can't explain, you know. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and my uh, guys that went there to, to watch, they got tired of it and they all went home. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and absolutely. Then, and then they tell me, and then, oh, there's a difference of maybe a couple dozen votes. I said, do you want to do a recount? And I said, forget it. I had enough of this. You know, if they, if they got a cheat to beat me, they're going to have it. But, well, so, we saw. I mean, it happens everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's terrible for democracy. I mean, we saw elements of that. Many people are suspicious about the conservative leadership uh, contest that we that took place in August, where you saw a very similar situation as far as the vote count dragging on for, it was, what was it, eight hours? I can't remember how many yeah, hours. It, it just is. went on and on and on. And then you realize that something was up, and then you find out, well, all these ballots were shredded and had to be remarked, and we don't know how many were shredded. Yeah. I mean, you know, after a while, people see, you know, they, they get very suspicious. And then, I mean, who wants to participate in a process in which, you know, the, the efficacy of the vote, the legitimacy of the vote is being questioned by so many people. I, my vote was kicked out. I mean, I've been a lifelong conservative. I got booed out of the party by Harper. Then uh, this past spring, I got my membership back, valid membership. Uh, my wife and I both have memberships. Her, her, her vote was, was uh, uh, taken aloud, and my vote was rejected. I never ever did get a second vote uh, to correct a and they couldn't understand my, why my vote was thrown out the window. Do you have any doubt that there were issues south of the border? I mean, there is oh. confirmed now that, that many dead people did vote. Uh, I, you know, dead people, I remember Stockwell Day running against uh, Preston Manning, and one of the accusations was Stock uh, used uh, the cemeteries in, in Quebec. <laughs> to to uh, sell memberships. I mean, <laughs> people people uh, do these things, and you know, even in in the U.S. Uh, politics. I noticed yesterday they said twenty five uh, states have uh, came out publicly and said they they, were, they didn't find any fraudulent uh, activity on on the vote. And I I think with the margins being over five million now. I, and his electoral college numbers are, are way up. I just can't see how how uh, Trump's going to get, get around this. But as you know, Trump's already planning for 2024. So, but, I mean, the reality show continues. 
Well, I think if people cheat a lot, they get they, they don't get suspicious. If you cheat a little, people get suspicious. Oh, if you only win by a handful of votes, well, something must have happened. You you win by five million, well, then uh, it must have been okay. You know, I think the uh, the message there is if you cheat, if you if you cheat enough, if the fraud is great enough that people will will not even question it. But uh, there was this story in Blacklock's Reporter where thirty five percent reported mystery voters. This is more than a third of election officers in the last federal election in this country, Inky, encountered voters whose names were missing from the National National Registry of of Electors. Data uh, followed disclosures. The voters list contained at least, get this, 312,000 names of ineligible electors, including dead people and foreigners. I think one one of the biggest questions I always had was, uh, we hear that people with uh, landed immigrant status vote. Well, they can't vote. You're supposed to be a citizen of the country before you vote. And yet, at the poll, no one asks you to, to prove that you're a citizen of Canada. You know, perhaps we need to uh, make people carry passports, you know? Because how do they differentiate? And elections, Canada is, I mean, the country is way too big and too many people to have enough problem just getting the voting done. Never mind checking. But I, I think there has to be Another way to, de- especially now with all these new immigrants coming in, you know, by the millions, we need to uh, establish a new standard. Now, you need to prove to be your citizen of Canada before you can you can have a ballot. Absolutely. Inky, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much, Mark. Coming, coming to a, you too. Have, coming to us from Dawson, Manitoba. We're going to take a quick two-minute commercial break and... Be back with more, our final scintillating segment coming up after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. If you'd like to call, here's the number 416 640 0200. That's 416 640 0200. The Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Well, I mentioned uh, the rather negative economic news out of Canada. The Canadian Federation of independent business sounding the alarm that 225,000 Canadian small businesses are now at risk of closing due to another round of ineffective and heavy-handed blanket political lockdowns. That's what they're calling it. That according to the National Citizens Association. That's hundreds of thousands of dreams ruined and livelihoods destroyed all without proper evidence of community spread and all to appease a select group of hysterics with no skin in the game. We have Guy on the line. Guy. Good program, Mark. Thank uh, you very much, I Guy. I listened with interest to your previous guest, Inky Mark, and the uh, your comments with regard to Blacklock's reporter and 35% of federal poll watchers, even after a purge, allegedly, by Elections Canada to clear... Uh, dead people and foreigners, uh, clearly 35% of those votes were corrupted. And there's an interesting article posted this morning with regard to the Dominion voting machines. 
the headline reads, no Dominion voting machines did not cause widespread voting problems. Direct quotes from the article clearly countermand that. I mean... Yeah, how do they know breath. that? How, how do they, you know? How, how did they manage to determine that? I mean, this this investigation is just getting started on these voting machines. Well, the direct quote from the article states: "Scanners and reporting software with slightly different versions of the ballot, which meant that the voters were counted correctly, but they were not. They were not reported. They were reported incorrectly." State officials said. So how can they say that, you know, if you read the headline, if you're a headline owner only reader, then it says no Dominion voting machines cause widespread problems. That'll get repeated at the coffee shop. However, if you read the article in two separate quotes in that article, clearly there were voting anomalies and clearly there were problems. Exactly. And excellent, excellent point. Uh, there's a story in The Federalist, for example, the Federalist.com lawsuit claims 40,000 plus fraudulent ballots uh, pumped through Detroit for Joe Biden. I mean, this is the kind of stuff. And again, I think if you're going to cheat, cheat a lot, cheat big, because as, as Inky said, well, you know, it's five million votes difference. I mean, yeah, well, if you cheat enough that people stop questioning it. You know what I mean? They say, well, there might have been a little bit of cheating. No. You know, I think if you're going to cheat, cheat big. And then, uh, you know, people will be less likely to question what you're saying. I got to take another call, though, Guy. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, we've got, uh, is it Rio? Rio's on the line. Rio. Hey, Mark. Yeah, I was just going to say that where Trump went wrong, he shouldn't have courted the black vote, the Latino vote. He should have went for the dead man vote. <laughs> That, that that was the biggest segment, and maybe even the inv- the invisible person vote. Well, a lot of those people seem to have voted Democrat, but I, you know, to his credit, a lot of people, and I think he did a great job. I mean, in, in all seriousness, um, you know, reaching out to the Latino community, they voted him in all sorts of numbers. I mean, look at Florida's numbers. He won Florida by five points. I mean, when you look at all those people. Of uh, you know, you know, from from Cuba and so forth. I mean, they're going to vote Republican anyway because they're coming out of a, a communist yeah. country. But many of those people, not only from Cuba but others too, Texas saw a surge in Latino votes for the Republican Party. So that's uh, Trump, in many respects, pointed the way for the future of the party, which is to appeal to a, really a rainbow coalition of people who, from all walks of life, who want freedom. They don't want socialism, and they're looking more and more at a very radical Democrat party that wants to take them down the same road that they left, you know, back yeah. in Venezuela or Cuba or, or or China, wherever they came from. Yeah, you look at how, how massively he won in Ohio, and all the ones that he was winning massively by, he he got squeaked out in Georgia, whatever, what is it, 10,000? Uh, well, something uh, like that in Arizona. Although in Wisconsin at the last set, you know, he was winning all those by hundreds of thousands. And Absolutely. then in the end, he just got squeaked out by just enough like what you were saying. Well, that was know. the pause button. Remember? This is this is the whole thing. We talked about this yesterday. So the, he was going along great. You know, he was, winning, he was winning Florida huge. He was winning Ohio huge. He starts sweeping across all these other states, yeah. whether you're talking about Pennsylvania, we're talking about Wisconsin, Michigan. And what happens? They push the, pa- the pause button. All those Democrat governors no says, oh, way, no, we're going to no stop. Stop now. We're going to stop. Won, uh, Pennsylvania with the with fracking on the line. And exactly. last time, that makes uh, no sense whatsoever. Trump there, there's yeah. absolutely no way. And you yeah. made a great point today. Fantastic. I thought when you said, yeah, Alberta, 
If they were a separate country, <laughs> then we would get ga- uh, oil from them. But be- because they're Canadian, we're, we're not buying oil uh, this from is the thing. I mean, you know, I'm looking at the nonsensical nature of all this. I mean, if, yeah, if the federal true, government right? wants to import oil from other from foreign countries, well, Alberta all has to declare this, this declare independence. They're a foreign country. Okay, you can. I guess you can take our oil now. <laughs> yeah, I, but, you know, when you look at look at how. Much, if you're talking about the environment, you're you're going to bring stuff from halfway around the world, but not from our own backyard, right? Not only not only halfway around the world. Think, consider this: all those regimes, all those reprehensible dictatorships that we're getting oil from. You know, from what Saudi Arabia, from Venezuela, yeah, well, dictatorships, and women, and all that. You know, the way I, they treat their minorities. These, these are racist societies, and somehow we got to buy their oil, but we got to turn our back on well, Alberta oil. You know oil. what, Mark? It's like those big uh, teachers' pension fund and stuff. They're heavily invested in Saudi oil, and these people are are are, are the ones who are doing all the lefty stuff in our society. No, I think the best thing, I mean, for Alberta, I don't want Alberta to go. I'm a Canadian. I love this country. But if I was an Albertan, I'd say, look, maybe the best uh, way we're going to get any kind of deal from these guys is if we just uh, have a referendum, vote yes, and then have the whip hand in terms of proceeding with uh, negotiations to go our own way. Yeah, yeah, I know you say you, you love your country, but in the end, I love freedom more. You know what? I, I absolutely agree with that. I would rather be free and not Canadian than Canadian yeah, and be under the Canada thumb of government. Chi- yeah. Like run like China, but yeah, I'm a proud Canadian. I know I'm not proud of that, right? Yeah. No, that's an excellent point. You're right. I mean, if this Canadian, want, if this country wants to go down that road, Trudeau-style dictatorship, uh, you know, I don't want to be a Canadian right. anymore. Yeah, I'll be something like, else. I'm yeah. sure Inky Market loves his uh, heritage and all that, but... You cannot put up with that if you're a living person in a place like that, right? That's exactly right. Rio, thank you for your call. Okay, take care. All right, we're going to wrap things up on this Thursday edition of the Mark Petroni Radio Program on Saga 960. Lots more coming your way on Saga 960. By the way, I'm going to be off next week and take a little bit of a breather. i got some other stuff on the go i got to take care of, but I will be back tomorrow, and I look forward to doing this show then. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now. part of the show or the whole show go to saga960am.ca to find the podcast